Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Mudgear Hannibal Race Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. I've got a guest with me on the line. Before we get to her, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Bleg Mitts. It is winter. It is cold out. If you're running outside, you need Bleg Mitts. Bleg Mitts are awesome. Uh, the Extreme's great for ultra or snow races. The Lights is what I like to use for training or for kind of just cooler, cold weather OCR. So... I recommend picking up the combo pack. It saves you like 10 bucks. You can buy it off of the strengthspeed.com website. So teamstrengthspeed.com is that website. Go to the store. There's a store for U.S. shipping, and then there's a different store if you're shipping if we're shipping internationally. Uh, so you can go there and order them. Obviously, a lot faster than ordering them from Australia. It's the same product. Deanna sends them to me. I sh- distribute them here in the U.S. I'm the only U.S. distributor. All right, so pick up yourself some blood mitts. Join me. I've got the newest Mudgear Hannibal Race Pro, or the newest in a series of Mudgear Hannibal Race Pros, Vivian Tran. Vivian, say hi. Hi, Evan. Hi. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I'm going to run through some of your bio real quick, and then we'll talk about your background, kind of what you've been up to and what you got going in the future. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So Vivian's from uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, specializes in OCR, ranging from like 5K to 21K, started racing OCR in 2021. Uh, won the Spartan U.S. National Series for the 35 to 39 age group in 2023 with like an right. insane list of uh, it was like first, first, first. I think there's like a second in there, and there's like more firsts. Just an, <laughs> just an insane series of uh of races there. Uh, really impressive performance, and then which placed you third out of a thousand athletes, including male and female, mm-hmm. uh, for the National Age Group Series there. Super impressive, and then has got podium spin- podium finishes in Spartan. In um, Spartacus Dash, uh, Battle of the Lions, and mm-hmm. Bonefrog, Abominable Snow Race. And as we're recording this, you are getting ready to run Abominable Snow Race tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. I have unfinished business here. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Last got third. Um, and you know what? I was hanging on first, but it was the final rig that got me. I was tired. I was mm. too tired. And so that cost me first place. <laughs> I've I've only done an abominable snow race once. It was it's a bit of it's about an eight hour drive for me, so I try mm-hmm. not to make that drive too often. Uh, but I thought it was just a really fun race. What are your thoughts on it? Oh yeah. Um. So back in twenty two, I had a goal that I wanted to race all different terrains, all different climates, and so I needed a winter OCR. When I saw abominable snow race, it's like I got to do it. And um, I think I mean obviously the hardest challenge is the temperature, the cold temps with our hands. Um, as far as challenges go, um, the rigs are probably like synonymous to what we would see in frontline. And I imagine what Midwest OCR will have in their first race for this year. Um, races done, uh, built by race ready obstacles. So you can imagine like a little more challenging OCR rigs. Um, but what's interesting about here is running in the snow. I mean, I am from Dallas, Texas, so we don't get a lot of snow. But even so, my more experience to that is like running through sand. And mm. uh, that what tires you out. Um, the terrain is one big obstacle, much like Spartan races. So, um, but the weather here is not that bad. It's, um, it's wet. It's going to be probably about 35 degrees when you run. So last year it was about nine degrees when we went through this. And I, my hand pulled up. My hands held up, so I'm I'm feeling positive about this one. Okay. Do you is there snow on the course? Oh yeah. Snow? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. it- um, it's gonna be pretty slushy. It's gonna be probably pretty slick though. That's what um Dana with Race Ready has been 
featuring on her live feed and on her Instagram stories. So it's going to be different. This one's going to be challenging because it's going to be wet, uh, probably slicker, probably dicier. Let's talk shoe choice. So what are you going with? Are you going with a like a nice VJ type high traction shoe or you got like the yak tracks for like snow running? What's your plan? So last year, um, I ran with my ultra, um, uh, my ultra superiors, I believe that was. Um, but I did have yak tracks on there because that was part of their guide. Uh, they actually said to get more aggressive tread and even get spikes. Don't have spikes, but last year, um, within a mile, I've already lost one of my yak tracks. And oh, so really? I, yeah, I attempted to go back and, and put it back on, but, um, yeah, it just, it slipped off my shoe. I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta keep moving. Um, and so doing obstacles, that's like Olympus, they call it apex. I mean, that, I don't know, that didn't really challenge me as much, but, um, like it's going to be different because it wasn't slick last year. So we'll see. I'm hoping the yak track pulled up this year. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I used the, the one year I did, I used yak tracks and I basically used essentially like road running shoes that, uh, uh-huh. kind of, and I just put the yak tracks over them. Just cause I, have, I thought my, th- my thought process there was like, I don't want the super aggressive lugs getting in the way of the yak tracks. So I was like, well, just use one of my normal like road shoes. And I threw mm-hmm. them on over and I think I snapped one of like the cross, uh, rubber things. But other than that, they stayed on, uh, they stayed on pretty well for me. So I think the only thing that I am concerned about is one of the major hill climbs. Um, I think they call it the Himalayan climb and it's the second obstacle. And, you know, it's like when you see in Spartan races with some of the more hillier courses, um, you got a rope that you're going to like help climb up. He had mentioned, Dana had mentioned that like the people that can cross that the fastest will have uh, more of an advantage for this race. So yeah, we'll see. I'm, I feel pretty good about it. Though. Nice. And I'm glad you gave uh, Race Ready Obstacles and Dana and Midwest OCR a shout out. If anyone's not following them on social media, both Race Ready Obstacles and then the Race Ready Obstacles is putting on their own or a race event called uh, Midwest OCR. So make sure you mm-hmm. go over and follow them. I guarantee that's going to be a fun event um, because again, normally they build for other people. So they are, I'm going to say, they've got they've got left and right boundaries that their race directors give them. But when they're going to put on their own series, they can essentially do whatever they want. So I'm pretty excited to see what they come up with. Uh, I don't think I will be at that one, but I know they do plan on having like a 5K-ish type competitive event. And then on top of that, they're planning on doing a multi-lap endurance. And uh, Dana was bouncing some ideas off me for obstacle completion requirements and stuff like that. So I think whatever they come up with, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, both obstacle-wise and then also rule-wise for uh, those who are interested in. Yeah, for anybody that's done frontline, I feel like it's going to be frontline 2.0. There's yeah. going to be such challenging rigs there. Like any of the grips that you can buy online, their stores, it's just that's going to be featured 100%. That's what I'm anticipating. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Excited. All right. Let's jump. Talk a little bit about Abomino. Let's jump back in time a little bit. Talk about some of your uh, racing background, right? So we mentioned you're in the 35 to 39 age range. So were you always an athlete? Uh, through like high school or is this kind of like a later in life addition to your um, lifestyle? No, this was definitely later in life. So earlier on, I was actually a musician. Um, I played piano ever since I was six years old. Uh, I was a percussionist from middle school through college. Um, But, you know, I mentioned that in my bio a bit. It's like, it's really taught me how to break things apart, um, build that discipline 
Um, and it wasn't, I, I ran, um, you know, just for my health and just for fun, but it wasn't until May of 2018, um, this fitness program called Camp Gladiator visited my company. And it was kind of like a lunch and learn. Um, I loved it. I fell in love with it. I signed up. I did it for about well over three years. Um, I was really competitive in it. Uh, that was whenever I realized like, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good at some high intensity interval training um, and sprints, uh, more strength training type type workouts. And so I feel like I got that hybrid fitness background pretty early on. Um, but even then, um, it took me, it took me some time to actually be pretty good at it. Um, they added a thing called CG games. I didn't qualify the first year I was in there. The second year I tried out, I was, um, the 25th person and they only allowed 25 people in our age group, um, (laughs) to go in. And so, but I finished 11th that year. Um, and then the following year I actually ended up winning, winning that series. And so, um, that's when I knew I was like, okay, this is this is kind of the avenue I want to go towards. Um, I have a friend, uh, Kevin Harkins, give him a shout out. He thought that I would be pretty good at OCR, and I heard his stories about it. I was a little in- intimidated, to be honest. Uh, but he invited me to go to my first OCR event at Battle of the Lions in 2021, and man, that kicked my ass. <laughs> that's a pretty. That's like jumping into the deep end of the pool there. <laughs> For that year, the the obstacle that got everybody was the stumps, and it was pretty early on. Um, I think somebody even ended up hurting their shoulders. They had the clothes that went down, but when I got through it, it that was, was a, a trend. One yeah, yeah, that was. I felt good. Like I was like, okay, I think I got this. But once we started getting into the rigs, I was like, okay, I need to start building up some grip strength, and that was that was a process. Um, you know, one of the things that. I, I would like people to know about about me, especially is that um, you know, from twenty one to twenty two, um, a lot of a lot of failures, mm-hmm. a lot of ripped hands, a um, couple of DNFs. You know, it's just like you, you really, you really figure out like the kind of athlete you are in this sport after ripping your hands and just being mentally and physically exhausted. And I just kept at it. Yeah. Um, and so, and I, I went into Spartan races, uh, did pretty well there. Uh, but then I just, just keep, yeah, I just kept getting at it and uh, became more competitive. So in the latter half of 22, uh, especially whenever I switched over to my, my now OCR coach, which Ryan has been forced running mm-hmm. and uh, basically had solid goals. And that's that's what happened with 2023. Uh, I focused on Spartan Series and just really, really wanted it. Uh, I knew that I was going to be at a disadvantage because three of the races were going to be mountain races. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to I had to do what I what I could to be competitive. Yeah. So you said I'm gonna I'm gonna jump it back onto a couple of things. You said one, I really like the the talk you had about discipline and. Uh, some of the lessons you've pulled from learning something like instruments and bring it over to the obstacle course racing. I think discipline is above and beyond like the most important thing. I just, um, I, I've just seen it over and over. I've seen it in the military. I've seen it in 
uh, jujitsu. I've seen it in combatives. I've seen it in obstacle course racing. I've seen it in marathon running, ultra running. Like everywhere I go, and I look at someplace, someone mastering a complex skill, it comes down to discipline. Like, are you willing to show up? And after you fail, are you willing to come back? Are you willing to come back yeah. again after you fail? Are you willing to come back to the point where it's like people are like maybe you should switch sports, and you're like, no, 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 I got <laughs> this. Give me a couple <laughs> more tries. Um, so, well, I think what what really translates well with that is that like with music and with piano, you have to, you have to break things up into simpler pieces. And that's what running is. And that's with strength training and OCR. I think a lot of people want to just hit the ground running and thinking they're going to like fly through these rigs, but it's just like, it, it takes time to build up that grip strength and just get your running and fitness in. Right. So I stay patient. And that's that is that was huge for me, and I think that paid dividends. So, anything, any sp specific tips you have for like someone who um, maybe having trouble with rigs or an obstacle? Um, any sort uh, of like training tips? I know we we touched on a little bit there, but uh, oh yeah, I mean add? a lot of my a lot of my success came from talking to a lot of the elite athletes that were were great at the sport. Look, you know, I. I listened to them. I took any advice that they had. Um, I got a coach. I mean, that does help. Um, but one of the things I think that people to realize, like once they get on the rig or when they're practicing at home and training is like, be happy with like, just doing what, like getting one grip at a time, you know, like you might not be able to get through the whole rig, but see if you can get to the second bar or to the second grip and then just keep building it up a lot of repetition it's like that's that's what's going to take um yeah i mean and being really patient with yourself yeah uh, my my advice is learn from the best and stay diligent at it love it love it all good stuff there and uh, n another training related question right you mentioned uh we mentioned you're from texas not the mm -hmm. hilliest place in the united states <laughs> And you did three of the uh, national series races were mountain races. Mm -hmm. So what did you do to prepare for the mountain races? Cause I, you know, we know, um, we know Spartan is just brutal with the, they're like the hardest obstacles on the today's race will be the mountain. You're like, yeah, <laughs> right. They just <laughs> hammer it into people. I, um, I actually had to research North Dallas with a, with a topo map to find out different elevations that I can train on, that I can do early in the morning. It's safe. Um, and the the deepest hill I could find was 85 feet. And it's a lot of repetition. So Rich Ryan has done a great job riding different workouts I have, especially with running. And um, yeah, I, I had to work with that. And he really built up my, my legs with back squats, with weighted lunges, um and then running that hill like constantly um i knew that i was going to be at a disadvantage with um, altitude though mm. like whenever i ran the second race of the series which was at big bear california that was probably the most brutal race for me just because it was it was tough breathing um but i man i really buckled down and um just did what i could just ran my best race um I remember there was my friend um, over in Utah when I did the Utah race in 22. 
He said, you know, the best way to train for hills isn't actually just running on hills. He said it was actually like developing your legs more. And I think that that kind of stayed with me a bit. You know, I know a lot of athletes like they move to Colorado or, you know, they the best live in Canada. Um, but like with with us, it's just like we got to do what we can to, to train our legs to handle it. Yeah. When I when I was prepping for the charity I meant, I did uh 2020 getting my years confused 2022 we're gonna go with uh i was climbing the height of everest uh at tough mudder new england um wow. not not quite the i live in kansas kansas so again not the hilliest place although there are some hilly areas uh i did a lot of treadmill running was my um did you do a lot any treadmill running or did you, you primarily just do repeats on the hill no i did treadmill running yeah. um weather dependent but also just uh, yeah, I would max out that thing. Yeah, that's, I'd, that's, I'd, I'd max mine out and just I would literally walk on it, put on a weighted vest to like add mm-hmm. a little more stress and spend a lot of time just schlepping uphill. So, right. No, and I, I like that. Like with Rich, he he gives me a variety with those runs. I mean, it really isn't it really isn't the same during different periods. And a lot of the rate, uh, the workouts that he gives me is race specific. Nice. So. Once, once Big Bear comes around again, I'm, I'm probably hitting that treadmill or that 85 foot hill. Nice, nice. Uh, so we, you know, we mentioned your results in 2023. What, uh, let's talk some plans for 2024. Yeah, uh, we, well, we tra- going to defend the national series age group, moving up to elite. What, what's our, what's our plan here? So Spartans changed up, right? For 24, there is no longer elite in age group, and it's just a competitive heat. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah. I, Smart, Spartan has changed their age group, elite, like all that stuff so many times at this point. I I have almost turned it into white noise <laughs> for me. So fill, fill our listeners in because I know uh, I feel like a lot of my listeners don't necessarily do Spartans as often. They tend to do more Tough Mudders and more local races. So t- tell people about the uh, change. So I don't know what was the driver or like the impetus of it. But um, yeah, effectively now the only there's no elite, no age group. You're all running at the same time, but you are segregated by your your pace group. So I don't know how they're going to really um, regulate this, but they're doing it based off of like 5K to half marathon times. Like you can finish in a certain amount, like sub 20, you should be in pace group one. Or if your fastest Spartan sprint was this time, you'll be in pace group one. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of a based off like, do you anticipate you're going to be um, first through 10th place in the Spartan race. Like I said, I have no idea how they're going to regulate that. And I feel like most people are going to want to register for a faster time. Yeah. Um, but that's how they're going to do the waves now. Um, but as far as the series goes, um, still the same format. Um, and I think it's, it's going to be more similar to what we see in other OCRs. It'll be a top three. And then everybody else will fall until their age group. Nice. Like similar to Savage. Yeah, world's toughest. Yeah, and that's the way yeah. most most running races do, right? They mm-hmm. take out the top three for overall, and then everyone else falls into their respective age group. So you can be in fourth place um, mm-hmm. when your age group, or uh, you could be far back and still win your age group, depending on what age group you're running in there. So, yeah. There's I think they're relying largely on self-policing. So people being honest with themselves, we'll see how it plays out in person. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see. 
Yeah, I, I think it'll I think it'll work pretty good uh, for a lot of people, and I think there, a lot of people will show up and grossly overestimate their skill or purposely try to go into a faster wave. And um, you know, hopefully, there's I I would hope there's some sort of a checks and balances eventually, but instead of just uh, self policing, we'll see though. Yeah. It's gonna be humbling. I mean, you're gonna find out really quickly if like you were supposed to be in that. Uh, that <laughs> And, I, you know, back to your question, like, am I going to be able to defend my national series title? Um, look, I I wish I could say that I was as fast as Lindsay Webster or Chris Roglowski. Um, But I, you know, with every race, it's just like I have to run my own race. I think that's probably uh, um, the mantra that a lot of people use. But, it, I mean, it's true. Like, even uh, tomorrow at Abominable, you know, it's like I know what I can do. I know you know, what my training um, has done for me. And I'm going to have to depend on that. Now, if I, if I still defend the age group and be in like one of the podium winners for the age group, I'm still going to be proud of that. I mean, that's going to probably put me at like fourth or fifth place, but that's, that's huge. Yeah. So I would be proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We'll see. Uh, again, we'll see how it plays out. And uh... yeah. I'm sure you'll. I'm sure you'll do well. I'm curious to see what the. Uh, I know a lot of the elite waves for those for Spartan females was really small in 2023. Uh, I wonder yeah. if that. Um. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I know it was dwindling. I came on so late in the Spartan game. You know, like I know back in the day, like there were definitely more women in the elite heats, and I I don't have the reasoning as to why. Maybe it's a little bit more sparse. It could be because hybrid fitness is bigger now. So a lot of people are doing DECA and IROX. Or they're branching out to, um, like, the smaller OCRs are more challenging. Or, like, even the Savage series. So that's okay. what I'm in. Could be a lack of prize money. It could be. It's probably a little bit of everything. It's probably a little bit of um, some people. I'm sure there's a whole group that saw OCR as a fed and, you mm -hmm. know, got their trifecta or two and is now off to do other things or... Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I always think we, we always think we're at a st all right. This is the new steady point, and then things always keep changing. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm I'm basically used to that. <laughs> like I said, because I came in on 2021, I have no idea how it used to be. That's so true. I'm used to this constant change. I'm like, all right, well, we're gonna do this year, and so yeah, it does change the competition. So I don't know. Maybe maybe the national series will will go into my favor. Gotcha. All right, so we got national series on your schedule. What else are we, are we we doing? Savages or just local savages? Uh, no, I thought about that. I thought about doing savage series. I don't know if I if I want to take two series in one year because what really helped and uh, what probably a lot of people don't know is back in twenty two, I did forty different types of races uh, for the entire year. So it's almost a race every weekend, right? Like I barely had any recovery. I'm, I'm shocked that I wasn't injured. Um, but what it showed me was that I, I couldn't really perform at my best. Right. So I didn't want to oversaturate my schedule yeah. and 23, like, obviously that was favorable for me. Um, 24, I, I want to do something similar. You know, the, the national series is only three races now instead of five, but that helps. It allows me to sign up for other stuff. Um, I do want to get into more of the harder OCR. So Abominable's on there. Uh, Mythic Race, I'm looking at. Frontline, uh, I'm going to do the Special Forces 
uh, let's see what else. Uh, Midwest OCR, as I mentioned. Uh, consider doing OCRWC. Uh, I've never been before. I heard great things. So yeah. that's something I might look into. Um, but that's that's already filling up my schedule quite a bit. Uh, I and mean, then, yeah, that's 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 more than most people will race in a year already. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then I have a because I won the the national series last year. I have a I have a season pass. Oh, uh, nice. we won my prizes. So I I, I want to do all the local Spartans in Texas, but then like see if I can get into other ones as well that uh, either that I haven't been to or that's going to challenge me. Gotcha. What's your what's your day job? I am an environmental scientist for the mining and chemical industry. So I've done environmental consulting for eight years, and then I switched over to industry, and it's going on five years now. Um, I try to I try to summarize it as best as I can because it sounds sounds nerdy, you know. <laughs> it sounds like okay, what what exactly does that mean? Uh, essentially, because I work for industry, uh, I try to maximize and, you know, I support American made products, right? We mine for limestone. We put in a kiln, we make lime out of it. Um, but we also are protective of air and water quality. So a lot of my work is uh, strategy it's regulatory analysis, it's compliance, um, coordination, project management, uh, but specifically for my company. Mm. So I'm usually in the office in the field. So I do travel a lot and that makes training really interesting. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask how it plays into training and if you're spending most of your time sitting behind a desk or you're out like doing stuff or are you traveling, I'm et cetera. Gonna- I'm going to say like 65% of my time I'm in, I'm in the office and then the remainder like I have my specific plants I've been assigned. I I go to the tracks. I know that the high school tracks that I need to go to. I know the hotels that have the best gyms. Nice. And so my training doesn't change. I will make sure that my training schedule is accommodated for. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that's one of the things that gave me my edge back in 23 is like I I tried my best not to skip it any of my right. workouts. I mean that's that that's the key, right? Like people are always like, well, how, how do you have time to work out? It's just like, I don't know. I, I make time. I'm like I, yeah, exactly. Sometimes I lose some sleep and I get up early. Sometimes when the day's over and you know, everyone else is going to bed, I, I get on the treadmill. I get, you, you, you make the time if it's important enough. So. Absolutely. I, I feel that way. And I, I tell that to my friends as well. It's like, you know, it's like Vivian, how do I, how do I perform better? It's like, well, you have to ask yourself, like, do you want it? Like, do you want to do well? Do you want to perform well? Is it important enough to you? And you'll make it a priority if if it is. Right. Good stuff. All right. Tell me, give me like well, average training week. What does an average training week look like for you? Like what, what kind of volume are you doing? Uh, how are you doing speed work, et cetera? And I know, yeah. I know you said your, your coach will adjust it, but it would make it very specific. But give me like ballpark average for people. Um, so probably three to four days is running. Um, usually most of that is easy running. Um, and then I have a couple of, um, threshold runs. Like I have my speed work I put in, uh, mostly the track. Sometimes I'll do it at the hills. If I have a hillier race coming up, a mountain race, uh, in my strength training. And I think this surprises a lot of people. I only do twice a week. Um, 
a lot of it is training just for being a better runner, I believe, with how he writes it. Uh, but the the grip strength and like the upper body core, um, it's not as much as people would would think that I I would be doing as a um, a top performing athlete. Um, and I I don't want to say that like as an arrogant way. I just feel like <laughs> the way that it's written, I, I I love it because I think most people overtrain. Yeah, like this is written very sustainably, and it's it's targeting muscle groups that are important as an OCR athlete. It's, um, it's by doing this training for maybe two years now, I feel like this is the, the best I've ever performed as an athlete. Um, so I think it has something to do with just a good balance being sustainable, but then also giving me like enough recovery. Um, so yeah, a lot of my workouts probably about six days a week, uh, mostly running only two days of training of, um, strength training and then uh, I'll play at ninja gyms when I get the opportunity um, just so I can have um, that obstacle exposure and that that helps out too so and if you don't have a ninja gym I would I'm going to promote racing obstacles and buy their grips and like go to your local playground and you know start start practicing on stuff like that I I have you know several of their their grips that that's helped me out yeah 100 percent very, all, very good advice. I've used my fair share of playgrounds in the day, building my own rigs. I've, I also would like take like race ready obstacles or similar type grips and bring them to the gym. And I would use them on cross beams of pulling machines. I'd use them as lat pull downs instead of like the normal bar. And again, people are just staring at you and you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'll be fine. I had, a, I had a ninja coach that helped me out, like, especially with transitions. You know, he taught me like the ninja dance. When you go to like the different cannonballs. And one of the things that I really liked that he, uh, that he taught me was that um, a lot of people like doing dead, dead hangs. I know there's like dead hang challenges and whatnot, but he was like, you know what? Anybody can hang off a bar. Like kids can hang off a bar, but having that core strength and being able to move is really what's going to pay dividends for you as you're moving across a rig. And so understanding that and understanding the grip technique with each implement that helps me tremendously. hundred percent agree. I, I feel like dead hangs are overemphasized in OCR. Yeah. And I want to say I had them in my, the first edition of my book. And I think mm -hmm. I took them out of my second edition. Um, okay. I'm not hundred percent sure I took them out of the second edition, but I'm pretty sure I did because I, I was like, I don't, I don't do these and they're not, I don't think they're very useful. Like, cause mm -hmm. again, if you're spending more than like 45 seconds on the obstacle, like you need to work on your transitions and your ability to move. Like you don't need to work on a hang longer, like hang longer is not going to help. Like you need to get across the obstacle. Stop wasting energy. Stop wasting time. Right. It's, it's so. teaching you how to be stuck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're not, you're not teaching body mechanics. You're not teaching movement. You're not teaching transitions. You're just right. like, just sit there like a, like a dead log hanging yeah. from this, this branch here. And you're like, and then a lot of people will like, you know, they won't, it, won't, it won't even engage their like upper back muscles, right? So like I'm sitting there and mm -hmm. I'm just like hanging all my weight through my tendons and my uh, shoulders there. And it's like, I don't know. I want to keep the, the back tight at least, get some you know, some muscle work in there. So. Yep. That was something that I was have like, so, you know, some phrases that helps me out, like smooth is fast, fast is smooth. I'm pretty, I'm pretty conservative uh, on race day, you know, just to not do too big of leaps and <laughs> afraid of falling off. Uh, 
but also pull and shoot was always something to me. So I've really had to build up like that ability to, to pull up my body and then just like go for that grip implement and then just work on those transitions. So those are, those are kind of repetitive phrases that I have for me. That's helped me out. I like that one. Pull and shoot. That's a good one. I like that one. It's good. Yeah. The, uh, you also mentioned like doing small repetitions and practicing a lot. Uh, I know when I, when I've worked with some athletes and had, they were having trouble on like specific parts of like a transition or specific hold. I'd be like, well, start, don't start from the beginning. Just start one hold back and just yeah, exactly. run that hold until you can, you know, you can do it. And then you can put it in the middle of, or the end of your rig. Right. So you, mm-hmm. you've built the confidence. So. One of the, that reminds me. So uh, one of the things that the rigs, that I had trouble with um, for a couple of years was Gibbons. Um, that was very, that was made apparent uh, at grid game. Um, and it was just like stationary Gibbons. I couldn't get across that thing. And I remember trying to get to a point where I could just lache off of the grip and hit the bell. And I was able to do that on one of my tries, but I ended up scalping part of my forehead just Oof. from doing that. And I was just like, oh, you know, I'm not ready. And, you know, that's those are those teachable moments for me where it's just like, OK, I need to take this one at a time. So Gibbons um, just doing it just a little bit, like get the bar in on one, get another and you fall off. Just keep doing that in that repetition. Yeah, I started when I do Gibbons, I actually do this way. I do them two handed. So I'll. I'll hold one bar with like two of my fingers and like, it's kind of hard to explain, but like as I transition, uh, cause my shoulders aren't very good. So when I swing down mm-hmm. from a single arm, it just puts a lot of stress through my shoulders and I can mm-hmm. hold it sometimes. Um, I just don't like doing it. And my shoulders don't like it when I do it either. So I will, mm-hmm. I will pull, pull and shoot. I will pull and shoot. And like, uh, with the hand that has the, the, the next gibbon and I I'll touch, touch once off of that, like, the current one I'm hanging on before I reach. Mm-hmm. So it just, it gives me another like inch or two boost, um, which is another split, you know, microsecond to place the next hold. So that's one of my techniques I do. So, oh, interesting. You know, yeah. I'm actually really impressed with people who can do gibbons and chicken wing it. I'm like, how do you even do that? That's painful. It's, I mean, it leads to bruising <laughs> is what it does. But <laughs> I think if I'm ever at the chicken wing mode, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm probably not ready. And that, no offense to anybody that like that's successful, but like for me, I'm just like I I feel like I need to be able to to get through it with just my my hands and like going at it one at a time. But yeah. I think I've gotten to the point now like I feel confident enough of skipping right implement. So yeah. that's that's one of the big personal victories I've had recently. Gotcha. I mean, chicken wings the last last. That's like I'm in the race and I'm I'm stuck like. I, I would I would understand how to do it ahead of time, but not something I would practice regularly again, just because it's right. literally abusing my arms. You're, like, you're getting black and blues and stuff like that. I've used it on Stairway to Heaven when it's been super wet, and I, you know, it's just been could not get a good grip, and I've put my whole <laughs> arm in there. But um, yeah, do not recommend. Do not recommend. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna start wrapping things up. Um, Tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. Mm, I actually feel like that uh, that tidbit about myself that I wasn't always an athlete. Um, 
was uh was probably the most surprising thing um and i i kind of want to circle back to that because it's just like you know what that that actually like gave me some orthopedic reserves that were untapped right mm. like i didn't i didn't start off in ocr with any injuries and yeah. i think a lot of people went through burnout I, I mean and this is just from the outside looking in uh if they were high school or college athletes um, and like, you know, whatever injuries or stress fractures that they had, but, um, I kind of came in fresh, um, that and, um, part of the, the musician piece, um, the environmental scientist piece. It's funny. Cause like, we have all these alter egos, right? We usually see ourselves as like these athletes and other people, but, um, no, I, um, yeah, I'm. just uh doing my thing as environmental yeah. scientist musician living in dallas texas um uh, yeah trying to do my best in the sport of ocr yeah now I, I, that's an excellent point a lot of the people i've interviewed on this podcast actually were not athletes growing up and i think you nailed a lot of the the reason it carries over right like you, you're not mentally burned out you're not physically burned out right you, uh, you know, I've been doing endurance racing for about 20 years now and I've got all sorts of random parts of my body will hurt. And like, you know, just kneeling, ne- doing nothing like kneeling on the carpet hurts my knees. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah. Just, this is the way it is. I, I just kind of deal with it at this point. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the, the burnout one I think is huge because a lot of the guys I trained with, uh, when I was in, uh, early in my military career and then I knew mm-hmm. in high school and college or all, I mean, they, they just, most people have the mental focus to sustain like really focused physical activity for like about five years. And then that that's about, that's about it. They, mm-hmm. they move on to something else and you know, sometimes life takes over, et cetera. So yeah, mm-hmm. I did a lot of great points there. A lot of great points. So earlier we mentioned your day job. Do the people you work with know that you like run around crazy on the weekend jumping through fire <laughs> and like crawling through mud i'm always kind of oh, curious I, about like wh- what the average or like what most civilian jobs think of people who run ocrs do on the weekend um you know it wasn't a surprise to them ever since you know my cg days and i always kept them abreast of like all of my activities and my results and so they were always really proud of me um, even back in 2020, whenever I won um, CG Games, you know, they didn't have any prizes that they had, like sent out. Um, mm-hmm. And so actually, uh, the people at my work, you know, made me a medal. And it was really sweet. Oh, that is nice. Um, and uh, every, you know, every other day they ask, all right, Vivian, what's what's your next race? Uh, where are you going? Um, and they're actually disappointed whenever I'm not on the podium. <laughs> they're like, are you <laughs> sick? you know like what's wrong why didn't you get first um but they uh they love it they kind of live vicariously through me um super supportive um you know my boss especially like he's given me a lot of flexibility which is my training and my work schedule because he knows it's really important to me um and um yeah i mean he knows that i i travel for these races and you know it's kind of like mini racecations that i take i don't usually take longer vacations so, you know, they're, they work around that. And then, um, yeah, they're just, um, they're excited about hearing that I'm with the Mud Gear Hannibal Race Pro team now. And nice, yeah. 
were ecstatic about me winning the series last year. And I, um, yeah, I have a good group. I, I absolutely love it. Have you been able to line up any work trips with races? Like, oh, I happen to be in this area for work on this day. Might as well stick around for another 24 hours and run a race. Um, yes. <laughs> and I, uh, maybe not so directly in the same location or state, but the only way I was able to do West Virginia last year for the series was because I was in Kentucky for, uh, like this training seminar. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, this gave me the opportunity to actually get to West Virginia. <laughs> Cause it was, um, uh, I mean, it's an expensive sport. I mean, there's, it is, yeah. No, you know, being around the bush with that. And so it, that was really advantageous for me. Um, I, I think like if there were any races that were in Arkansas, um, I'm trying to think Oklahoma, I know battle of the lions used to be there, but, um, like conquer the gauntlet. That's one where I could do like as part of a work trip as well. Mm, gotcha. Oh, that's one I didn't mention from earlier. Yeah. Conquer the gauntlet. The last one, um, uh, definitely doing that one. Yeah. 2024. That's it. Oh. Last chance, everyone. Get signed mm-hmm. up. You know, we love Conquer the Gauntlet here, and I represented them for, I don't know, six years or so. So it was a mm-hmm. big part of my history. And uh, if you race OCR in the Midwest, you know, it's a big part of sports history. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely one of my first OCRs um, still to this day. You know, like I, I have unfinished business there because getting through Pegatron is always a is a huge deal, right? Yeah. Every other obstacle on that course is great. I can do it now. But, you know, Pegatron is uh, – is the next personal victory for me. And you've only done the harder version, right? You never did it before when the, like right now, the the bottom half of a bunch of the holes are blacked out. You never did the one with all the holes, correct? No, that's yeah. like, that disappoints me. That I didn't get to get yeah, I've only done the hard version, I guess. Yeah, so this is, uh, we're on version, uh, I would say Pegatron version three. It used okay. to, it used to be the beginning part with the footholds was about twice the length and the, the, the back ha- half with the footholds was about twice the length, which doesn't really make it any harder. Um, it makes it marginally harder, but like most people don't fall off on that section. Although mm-hmm. when you when you get to the far side, there are opportunities for you to mess up and fall off after you've made it across the pegboard. So that was Absolutely. version one. They shortened the the those two sections, but kind of kept the middle the same for a, a, a long time. And mm-hmm. then I think it was in 2021 they took the about halfway through as you know the bottom set of holes are just blacked out like you can't yeah. use those so you have to stay high yep and that's yep. how it's been 21 uh i think 21 22 23 and it'll be 24 right so um hey i don't you know i'm happy about that i'm happy that you know my experience has always been the the harder race <laughs> it's like it just you know i i guess i never had the watered down version of stuff yeah yeah that's a good one. I mean, I was concerned about it coming in last year uh, still. And I've done, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've done that, that obstacle. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, if you, if you're having a bad day, conquer the gauntlet, will let you know it immediately. <laughs> it will let you know it immediately. I moved from, I think something like 17th to seventh at Pegatron. Something like I was just, I was not running fast that day. And I, wow. yeah, yeah. And then I, I ran a couple people down. I got finished fourth this year. So. That's what I love about these races. Like when you think about like Conquer the Gauntlet or even Abominable or Frontline, it's not the fastest runner. Yeah. I mean, and I learned that with with different amazing OCR athletes. It's like, it's really keeping yourself in control, 
um, keeping that heart rate manageable and like being able to be like proficient in obstacles. Um, and so that's, that's been really telling like people who can get through stuff like Pegatron or um, Gibbons, um, the different stairways that have been featured, um, the different races that, um, you know, like Battle of the Lions, I keep mentioning them, but that was my first exposure to stairway. Um, and I imagine it's like, like at OCRWC as well. Um, I think those are, those probably test like, okay, who's, who's ready for like the big girl rigs. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really like, I really like mandatory obstacle completion because it makes, it makes you have to balance it. And if you go too far in the speed direction and not enough in like the strength direction, boom, just plug mm -hmm. my own podcast there. Um, you <laughs> like you, it, it's extremely costly. It's like, Oh, well I wasn't first and now I'm DNF'd. So I like right. how it's a, I like how it's a very sharp cliff as far as uh, when you, when you mess up off the far end and um, right. I, some of my best race memories have nothing to do with placement. Like, I've got a picture of me crossing the finish line at CTG Wichita in seventh place, and it looks uh -huh. like I just won the entire race oh, because man. I was I was stuck at a rig, couldn't get across, made yeah. it across on I don't know how many tries, and I am just like screaming at the top of my lungs. You know, it was wow. just like, and you don't you don't get that with like I'm gonna go do burpees. So um, yeah, I, I really I I really wish Spartan would change some of that and you know just kind of switch to mandatory completion. I think it just makes it more interesting, but. I've um I've talked to people about that. And I feel like because the the presence of the races is just so huge, I, I would imagine there would be like massive bottlenecks at those rigs. You know, like you think about Olympus or Ape Hanger. Now, you know, they brought back Ape Hanger. Um yeah. be a huge line. And so I don't I don't know how that would how that would fly you probably wouldn't have a lot of people registering for those races if they knew that they couldn't get across them yeah so like that, that my art that's a good point my argument worked a lot better last year and the years prior because the elite wave was its own race ozone wave now that you're having competitive run in multiple um competitive in age group and elite whatever running in all in essentially back-to-back -back waves then mm -hmm. you're correct i would agree that like the mandatory completion for the number of people coming to a Spartan and the number of people who are going to try to get a, a, a pop spot uh, would not work as well. So that I is an excellent my, point. I have, a, I have a question for you. What's the, what's the longest have you ever stayed at a rig? Try to complete it. Long as I've stayed at a rig, uh, probably about 45 minutes to an hour. Probably yeah. somewhere in that range. Probably about an hour. Um, Yeah. And I, I know people who've, I know Ashley Samples and some of the Florida crew down there has literally spent like six to eight hours. Like, at, what? Like, just wow. literally, literally stood there all day. Um, I, I specifically remember, I think it was, I don't know if Ashley was the one stuck or just her friends were stuck. I specifically remember there was a race in Florida where mm -hmm. the, a bunch of the women were laying on the blacktop that was like adjacent to the rig. <laughs> because because they were wet and cold so they would like they would fail the rig and then they'd go and lay down on the blacktop like sunbathing keeping themselves <laughs> warm and then they get up and try again um so there's been people who spent all day actually yeah mine's probably it's probably maybe just over slightly an hour uh i got stuck at frontline at the last obstacle on lap three uh -huh. 2021 
uh, I think that was there for about an hour. The CTG Wichita one, I was there for probably 45 minutes or so, maybe an hour. Um, yeah. I think that's probably the same average as me, like 45 to an hour, because at some point I'm probably ripping my hands. But another Yeah. point is just like, okay, I'm, I'm not getting my grip back. <laughs> I'm not ready for this obstacle, but that's not to say I don't have respect for people who like really just grind through it and just like, that's their personal victory. That's what they have to get through in Yeah. order to like, yeah, they had a personal win on that one. There was there was a uh, if anyone who's read my book Ultra OCR Man, the cover of the book is me running up a warp's wall. That was at Conquer the Goal in Atlanta, twenty sixteen ish. Um, there was a great uh, Jason Williams, another one of the Florida crew guys. Was he was stuck at that warped wall and he kept failing over and over again. And he ran the first wave. He ran the elite wave, and he was there all day. And the best Wow. part, the best part of that though, was he uploads his GPS track the next day, and it is like. It is just like you see him running it and like just over and over again in this one area, you know, like I don't know how many miles he covered just trying to run up this wall and then backing up and sitting down. But it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. I didn't know that they had a warp ball and conquered the gauntlet back then. Oh, that's It was pretty. just that Is it? one. It was just that one because they, they did a conquer the gauntlet in Atlanta. The only time they've done CTG Atlanta. And when they Okay. were building the course, some other race company. had made a warped wall and just left it like off to the side. So it wasn't in working condition, but they essentially repaired it. And that was the only warped wall at Conquer the Gauntlet. And it was enormous. Wow. And, and Dave and Steve were like, Oh, it's, you'll have no problem getting up it. That's, that was not true. <laughs> it took That's me, it took me three tries. I know everyone else, like multiple people were stuck. I, well, my former teammate, Jay Flores got stuck there. He was in second. I think he could, ended up finishing in sixth or something. So he, he got bumped down. Um, yeah. I have conversations like that with uh, with ninja athletes versus OCR. And, you know, a lot of us, a lot of them give us crap because they're like, you know, your obstacles are so easy. I'm like, look, when you're running through mud and, you know, the different climates and terrain and like your heart rates racing, like these obstacles aren't easy <laughs> anymore. And so I think like with a, a warp wall, like, yeah, I would imagine everyone's just slipping everywhere. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's usually, even if it's a relatively dry course, I mean, you, you're still tracking mud up, right? So it's still, you still lose some of the traction there. Like even completely dry course, you know, and then you add in a, a lot of races, right? The elite waves in the first thing in the morning, right? So there's morning dew. So a lot of times, Oh, yeah. sometimes the obstacles are actually harder in the first hour of the day because it's got that morning dew on it. And other times it's harder later in the day because people's muddy hands have gotten all over it, right? So, um, CTG, uh, not CTG, Battle of the Lines Dallas, that first one uh, that you went to, uh, Stairway to Heaven was super hard at the beginning of the day because it was, it was covered in morning dew. And then like 20 minutes I think later, it was dry. It was crazy. okay their stairway i think in 21 was uh was actually with ring. i think it was with rings Was i don't it? think they have like the t-bars on that one um but yeah it was i mean it was difficult for me i mean that was my first ocr but yeah i could see that and that's how it's going to be tomorrow it's been raining here all day it's been like a light mist and so it's like everything's going to be wet tomorrow so we'll see how it Which is, you know, like I, I kind of welcome it, you know, because that means it's just harder for everybody else. Yeah, yeah.
All right, let's actually start wrapping stuff up now. I know I said that I was going to do that a while ago. <laughs> um, any um, final shout outs you want to give friends, family, sponsors, etc.? Yeah, um, I guess uh, many people might not know, but I'm uh, I know Miranda and Kendall. Um, they're in Fort Worth and Dallas here. Um, yeah, they're um, they're friends of mine that are on the Mud Gear Hannibal Race Pro Team. Um, yeah, shout out to to the pro team members. I'm I'm super excited to be a part of it. Um, looking forward to yeah, just making y'all proud and you know. Yeah, supporting our sponsors. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited this year. Um, our team last year, tons of great athletes, but a lot of the team was kind of like in the I'm gonna say the twilight of their OCR sporting career. So I didn't feel like we raced as a team. I didn't feel like we raced as much last year, and I'm really mm -hmm. excited because we've got some new up and coming athletes. Yourself, um, and uh, Noel Medina, uh, just to name two, and then we've got some people that are like just absolute legends right uh joshua fiore and jamie horianopoulos right so yeah, I, absolutely. when it when it when, it, when i was i was updating the website and jamie sent in her stats i was like blown away she won she won eight savage races in a row in 2022 that's wow. abs absurd like why wasn't that the biggest news story of the year <laughs> i mean it's just like an especially at that race right the level of competition is high the obstacles are hard right you need to be fast you need to be good at obstacles you need to be consistent and it's not like oh well this like a like i've got some i've got some good streaks going in some local ocrs but like the level of competition is not like it's a, not a savage race right you know yeah. so eight savage wins in a row in 2022 and then she was on the podium 10 times i mean like she's incredible like she's done so well in the Savage Series, I had no idea that she won eight in a row. It's yeah, absurd. Twenty-two. It's an absurd statistic. I was like, why were? Again, there should have been. This should have been the headline for like all of the OCR news uh, news stories that year. Um, maybe it was, and I missed it. I don't remember anyone talking about it though. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, so. it's also a good. I mean, we have seven male athletes, five female athletes i mean i think we have all like different strengths and specialties yeah. um, it's gonna be so cool running along with all of you yeah we try to spread it out we try not to have like the idea is kind of like we don't want direct overlapping it areas of influence so we try to keep some ultra people in there and then we get some short chorus and some more ninja type people and then we got a uh, uh sarah grippy snyder so again up and comer, a very phenomenal athlete. Uh, oh, yeah, hybrid, a little hybrid focused, a little bit of, a uh, little bit of everything there. So I'm super excited that we're gonna have her on the podcast later. She's got a mental performance company. Is that what I call it? I don't know. Yeah, three, yeah, three, yeah three, I think that's right. Three GX. So it talks about mental performance, and I love, I love mind talking mindset. So I'm curious. I'm really excited to pick her brain. I know she's also got like a workbook out for anyone who wants like to deep dive into that subject. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, if anyone wants more information, check out ocrproteam.com. That is our website. You can check Vivian's bio on there. I'm in the process of updating all the stuff, all the sponsors, and then all like the sub pages. Uh, speaking of which, I have a new sub page called Train Safely under the training uh, banner. It is because one of our sponsors this year is Tiga Tactics, who does self-defense. Um, so they do online self-defense courses. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you've probably heard me mention them. 
and you've probably listened to Patrick and Conrad on uh, two different episodes of, in the last two years. So um, I also started another project with them. So we actually have a, I have a second podcast called Tiga Tactics Podcast. If anyone wants to hear me run my mouth some more, it's kind of similar like this where I do some of the talking, but not all the talking. Uh, we basically pick the brains of uh, Dr. Conrad and Patrick Wong. Between the two of them, they got like 12 different black belts in different styles. And then I share some of my experiences from military stories and stuff like that. And then uh, some of my karate, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and uh, combatives background. So we talk a lot of self-defense stuff, deep dive into those topics. we got three episodes out now. It's on all the major streaming platforms, Tiga Tactics Podcast. If you like it, please subscribe. Please listen. Please share. Same thing goes with this podcast. Uh, please like, subscribe, and share. I've been uh, – we hit a high point in numbers a couple of years ago, and then we've just kind of been you know, kind of slowly tapering down. I feel like some of the people I knew when we started the podcast have – a lot of people I knew, if I know for a fact, have retired from OCR, so they, I think they stopped listening. Uh, so it's time to reach a new audience and share some of the lessons we learned from other sport, right? That's the whole point of my podcast, so – Vivian, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate um, it. Quick question, because you're Vietnamese. Do you like Vietnamese coffee? I love Vietnamese coffee. It's but you know what? I, I know this is this is gonna be so sacrilege of me saying this, but I actually like it hot. I don't I oh, don't really? drink it. <laughs> yeah. I take out the ice. I want the coffee. I want the condensed milk. But yeah. It's I, so I, I good. Mean, I like hot drinks. <laughs> it's so good, but it's so it the so I I try not to look at the, like the nutrition facts on it because then I I I I can't drink it anymore because it's <laughs> super high in fat and sugar. But it is so good. Oh, I yeah. love Vietnamese coffee. If anyone has not had any, I highly recommend you get yep. some. Definitely recommend. Hot or cold, I go hot. <laughs> what um any is there any is there a specific brand or like or do you like home make it? What's your what's your go to? Oh no, I haven't I haven't personally homemade a. Vietnamese coffee. I've I've gone to different Vietnamese restaurants. There's okay. just this huge community of Vietnamese um, within the Dallas area. So I I mean okay. yeah, that's not gonna be hard for me to find. Gotcha, gotcha. And one of my one of my I've mentioned Tia Tactics podcast. One of our uh, one of our co-hosts is Vietnamese. So oh, awesome. random, random connection. Anyway, all right, we're gonna get going. Head over, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Pick up some blood mitts from teamstrengthspeed.com. And we will see you all at some races. All right. Thank you. Thank you.